I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Sometimes we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today we are joined by Black Information Network news anchors, Nicole Deal and Morgan Wood to discuss this week's major stories. This is our daily story, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. First up, Patrick Leoya. His funeral is today. So what's the latest with this story, Morgan? Why don't you start us off? Well, first and foremost, it's very unfortunate that this man had to die at the hands of law enforcement. Here we go again. It seems like the story just continues on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And at some point, does the story ever get old? He is being um, laid to rest today. Al Sharpton will be providing the eulogy at his funeral. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Al Sharpton doing the eulogy. He's also paying for the funeral. And one of the things I want to point out here is just, um, first of all, the Michigan Department of Civil Rights has just asked the U.S. Department of Justice to launch a pattern or practice investigation in this case, because they're looking for issues related to what the police could have done differently, what they could have done better. I mean, keep in mind, first of all, I, I also want to refer to him by his name as Patrick, right? Sure. Um, because I want to humanize him. I have a son that's 28 years old. So this could be my son, my brother, my cousin, my father, my uncle, my next door neighbor, whatever. 
and, and people that we have a relationship with and that we identify with, we call them by their first name. So again, I think I agree with Morgan that Patrick did not have to die that day. He was shot in the back of the head. They are not releasing the name of this police officer, which I just think is outrageous and egregious. Um, but they say they will only release his name if he's actually charged in this incident, which I'm hoping that he will be. But Thank goodness that his family, his community, everyone has rallied around, um, you know, to put him to rest in a beautiful way. And so I'm grateful that Al Sharpton is doing the service. Um, he's going to do a great job because, unfortunately, we've seen this before. You know, we've seen him eulogize black men in this country mm -hmm. um, and then just remind everybody that Patrick was unarmed. It's just really sad. And, and another young, unarmed black man was killed on the street. And, and it's horrible. You know, we treat animals in this country more humane than, than we treated Patrick. And, and that's sad. I feel like this one is, is kind of special for me. Um, you know, on this show, I, I seldom do I pour my heart into things. But this one is kind of different. I've been kind of watching this one a little closer. And the way the right frames these type of incidents, it, you know, to your point, Nicole, um, we treat animals better than we treat human beings, especially if those human beings are black and especially at the hands of the police. One of the things that a lot of people on the right seem to forget is that when you're afraid, and I don't think anybody on the right or on the left would disagree with black people's interactions with the police being scary, right? But if you're afraid and you have a nervous system, <laughs> then um, there is a biological imperative built into your brain, your limbic brain, to fight or to flee. And so when people say, well, you shouldn't have run from the police, um, I feel like that frames the story unfairly because, again, there's a biological imperative. If you believe that running away is your best chance of surviving, then it... it, it supersedes all of the higher functions of your brain. And I don't think that, you know, to your point about humanizing uh, Patrick, I don't think that a lot of folks realize uh, that there's a, there's a natural response, you know, there when you run. Um, and then the other part of that is that, you know, oh, he was grabbing for the taser. Um, and, and I know today we're talking about his service, but I just, I feel like this needs to be said. And as often as I'll be able to say it, I will. If someone raises a weapon to you, it could be a knife, it could be a gun, it could be a taser. Um, now, I don't know what I don't know, but if someone raises a weapon to you, uh, your impulse may very well be to reach out for the weapon to keep it from being pointed at you. And another thing on the right is that they, they continue to say, well, if you take a, a taser, which by definition is non-lethal, so an officer cannot fear for his life if they know that their weapon that they brought to the, to the scene was non-lethal, but I digress, that, you know, they, they forget that keeping a weapon from being pointed at you is a part of defending yourself and kind of preserving your own right to, to live and to be free from harm. And, uh, the way they frame it is that he disarmed the officer and kind of turned the weapon on him and was trying to shoot uh, the officer. Uh, and, and that's something that I feel is, is premature for someone to say, you know, I may be wrong because I don't know the details, but 
Um, you know, I've read stories about this people getting shot in the hands and then the way the story gets framed is like, oh, no, they were trying to disarm the officer when later it comes out that no, the reason they were shot in the hand is because they were trying to keep the gun from shooting them. And I just wanted to say that I appreciate you guys letting me get that off. But yes, hopefully uh, today's funeral will be beautiful and we'll get to celebrate his life and he is remembered for more than just his death. <sighs> Thank you. Moving on. Our next headline is the halting of the mask mandates. So how has the reaction been around the country? Nicole, why don't you start us off on this one? Well, I think that there are a lot of mixed uh, reactions here because there's a lot of confusion as to what is being done and why it's being done. The BA2 Omicron variant is still out there. And I think that there are tens of thousands of people who are not vaccinated. So I think we need to recognize that these masks are, are not going away. But one of the big reasons I think there was confusion is because every airline is not participating in this, right? So when you show up to the airport without your mask and you're just happening to be flying with a carrier that is not participating, then there's going to be some confusion, right? Sure. And so I think that's that's one of the kind of the knee-jerk reactions that I'm seeing, you know, on social media and in the news is that people are going, now, wait a minute, I thought this had gone away. But I don't think, in fact, it has fully gone away. And then there's also been kind of a mixed message from the Biden administration. They're still promoting or advising people, even though they're saying that, you know, that that it's up to you. They're still making it very clear that they support CDC guidelines about wearing a mask. Absolutely. I would piggyback off what you said, Nicole, and just add that there is still uh, health professionals also advising people with underlying health conditions that didn't go away. Mm -hmm. So you're still being advised to mask up. And if you're going to be around someone who might be vulnerable and have a underlying health condition and you're going to be traveling, you're still being advised to mask up. I think what happened here is that this particular issue got a little bit too politicized. And that's how we ended up with a federal judge out of Florida from a state that never really respected the mask mandate to begin with, now making a decision for an entire country. And now, yeah, it does add to the confusion because whether you're taking an Uber, a Lyft, a train, a bus, or an airplane, you're not necessarily sure if you're in compliance if you're not wearing a mask. Right. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the coming days because uh, DOJ, Department of Justice, definitely appealed um, the decision. We still have these variants and the variants are creating new variants. So, Right. And, and I just want to say one more thing. Uh, just keep in mind that a mask is not a guarantee that you're not going to get COVID. And to piggyback what Morgan said, if you are at risk for severe illness and you are over a certain age, or even if you have young children in your home that are too young to be vaccinated, then you need to take whatever precautions and measures that you need to take or you feel are necessary to keep you and your family safe. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it. 
so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com BIN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie-loving friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like a recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Information Network news anchors Nicole Deal and Morgan Wood are here with us discussing this week's major stories. So Jason Van Dyke the former Chicago police officer will not be facing federal charges for the 2018 shooting of 17-year-old Laquan McDonald. Morgan, your thoughts? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Why not? Mm -hmm. Um, Again, we just talked about Black men dying at the hands of law enforcement. I understand that law enforcement has a job to do, but if you're not necessarily doing that job to the guidelines, then there are reprimands, right? I mean, it happens here at work. It happens at any job that you have. So if you don't do your job right, then you get punished. And unfortunately, Picking a job like being a police officer means that if you're going to be using things like service weapons, then you need to make sure that they're used at the correct time. Sure. Well, you know, first and foremost, 17 years old, it's what what an outcry of injustice in this country that anyone accused of shooting a 17 teen your old person is not going to be held accountable for their actions. It's so, oh my gosh, this just, just, as we say here in the South, a little bit of this gravy just rolls all over my plate. This just makes me so upset. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) I love that Um, saying. Yeah. It's because again, 
what, he didn't have to die. And it, right. it, it, it immediately led my thoughts back to Trayvon Martin. And even though I know there was not a police officer involved, but again, here is someone that is not being held accountable for their actions. So what message is that sending to other black teen youth or just blacks in general, as far as their trust for the police or what right. they can expect if the police are called or if you're having a mental crisis or whatever, what is, what is the messaging here? You know, it doesn't make me say, oh, I actually trust and believe that they will protect and serve, although that's what you want to believe. You want to believe it, right? But it, if anything, it really increases the fear that, hey, if I pick up the phone, call the police for anything, you know, I have to be in a certain place in a certain mindset once they arrive, because I don't know how they're going to pull up onto the scene. I mean, how many times have we seen Black people call the police and then being accused of being the suspect right away? It's, it's not fair. Um, and 16 times is just ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. There's no reason why. Clearly yeah. excessive, clearly excessive. And, and also, let's just point out the fact that Laquan McDonald was killed in 2014. OK, this is 2022. This is eight years that you're standing by as a family, as a community, as a as a culture, as a society. Eight years that you're standing by waiting for justice. And then there is none. Yeah. And it makes me wonder also about the policies that are in place in Chicago, Illinois, versus what policies are in place at Hennepin County in Minnesota, where they found Derek Chauvin guilty. Or I can't think of where Potter is from. It's Minnesota, but it's not far from Hennepin County. So bottom line is what's going on with the policies in Chicago, Illinois, that this officer gets off and whatever's going on in Minnesota, these officers are being held accountable, maybe not to the standard we would like, but you know what? I do another uh, radio show called civic cipher. And um, we talk about this sort of thing quite a bit on that show. And I came across a statistic or a number rather that I needed to cross reference and therefore had to do more research. Right. And the truth is I didn't come up with a solid number. There were no, agreeable numbers, but I did kind of find a range. So when you talk about different policies around the country from this city to that state and so forth, what I found is that uh, going back to, I believe it was the 1960s, maybe 1965. Mm, Talk about the number of on duty officer related shootings that resulted in death that resulted in a conviction of that officer uh, was on the low end, the number was 39, I believe. And on the high end, I, I believe it was some, some in the 50s somewhere, maybe 58-ish. So that was the range across all the places I checked that statistic. And again, I can't hold me to it because I didn't find the number. I found rather... Uh, and that doesn't even break down demographics. Right. We're not but, talking but here's the other part. That's here's crazy. Part, is that um, the amount of police shootings per year is somewhere in the neighborhood of around 10,000 per year. Um, That's going all the way back to, I believe, the 90s. So you have hundreds of thousands of police shootings. And then if you go all the way back to the 60s, maybe even more. And the amount of those people who have not been charged, but been convicted 
um, the amount of justice that's been served. Now, granted, some of them are perhaps justifiable. You know, police do have to engage and they do carry weapons and they fight the bad guys. So there's that. But, right. you know, when you look at the numbers overall, I'm sure we can rattle off 38, 39 black people that have died that we as a community, as a people, as a tribe have sought justice for in the past since Trayvon, since 2012. Absolutely. But there's clearly the numbers aren't lying there, you know, and there's something to this where, you know, police can kill you, get off with impunity because of qualified immunity or the blue wall of silence or whatever, just because, you know, that institution is designed to protect itself. And then the rest of the judicial system exists to fortify the police who are the kind of the front facing facet of the criminal justice system. And so we end up with Black people looking at this criminal justice system and saying, well, we're not all criminals and we don't see justice, but for the people it works for, it works great for them because they don't see themselves as being executed in the street like an animal and there being no justice on the back end. Had, had uh, Patrick Leoya or Laquan McDonald or really pick a name, but had those been 19-year-old white women you know, we might oh. be having a very different conversation, but because they're black men, we're here today dis- discussing it. So interesting to say the least, but, you know, at least we know what we're up against. And, you know, this is, it's a journey. And, uh, you know, I, I will always and forever remain optimistic. One of the big differentiating factors today that we didn't have 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, yeah. we have a phone camera in our pocket just about 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? Mm -hmm. And so now these things have been going on for many, many, many decades, you know? Mm -hmm. If it weren't for these videos, think about the George Floyd case without the video. You know what I mean? Millions, millions and millions of times all over the world. But would we be at the same place today? Would we have a conviction today, you know, if we didn't have those videos? And and, uh, Leoya, Patrick, shot in the back of the head. And you brought up a good word when you said, Ramses, when you used the word execution, Mm -hmm. because that's what it was. Mm -hmm. So I'm just- When When you have an officer that is tired of fighting, that is afraid that- you know, I, I, I find it very difficult that these are the people that copaganda, which is sort of how we see on TV for many years. That's a concerted effort by police in the, in the film industry because Hollywood wanted to get it right and the police wanted to paint themselves in a, in a positive light. And so that there's roots there. Um, but this copaganda tells us that the police are brave and they're, you know, courageous and they're, you know, strong and they're the good guys. And then in the real world, they hide behind the fact that they feared for their life all the time and that we see things like this, whether you're going to kneel on someone's neck or you're going to shoot them in the back of the head. Or, um, you know, I believe his name was Rayshard Brooks. This was one that really troubled me some years back where um, he was asleep in his car at, I believe it might have been a Wendy's or a McDonald's in, in Georgia. Yeah. He had been drinking. He was asleep in his car and uh, the police showed up. And uh, when they told him that he was going to be arrested and go to jail, he was cooperating initially. But when they told him that he freaked out and started running away, he was shot uh, in the back and he died in that parking lot. Right. And um, I remember. Uh, he, 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 there, there's I know that we're kind of you know, leaning into this a bit, but, you know, you start to see that, uh, you know, this fear for for my life thing is a bit of a stretch. And when you see things like someone getting shot in the back of the head. And then, you know, in the case of Laquan McDonald's uh, death, when there's no justice at the end, the family can't 
you know, come to terms with it and, and make peace with it because, you know, there's always going to be that hole in your heart that feels like the universe has conspired against you and taken away. You know, if I lost my son in that way, um, I'd never be whole again. And whoever this officer is, um, I, I won't say his name again, but he just gets to go on and live his life. Uh, oh, no, former police officer. So maybe he doesn't have a gun anymore. But in a lot of instances, as we know, the officers get a promotion and they retire with full pension and they go on off into the sunset. And um, we never heal from burying our children. And so, um, yes, I'm glad that we had a chance to talk about this. But it's time we move on. So the next headline is uh, President Biden. He reportedly told Obama that he plans to run for re-election. So tell us a bit more. Nicole, why don't you go first? All right. Well, we do have a couple of confirmed sources that say uh, Biden did, in fact, have that conversation with Obama. Um, no reports as to exactly when that conversation took place. We do know that the two of them had lunch earlier this month, so it was possible that it happened uh, uh, that particular day. Um, but there is a recent survey by CNBC that talks about Biden's approval ratings. Um, and I believe only 38% believe that, that Biden is doing um, a, a good job at his job, right? right. Um, and then there's another 53% that dis disagree with that or, or disapprove of the job that he's doing. So um, yeah, there he's basically made it really plain to um, reporters, not just uh, to Obama, but he certainly put it out there that he wants to run again. And even maybe jokingly uh, said that he wanted to run uh, against former President uh, Donald Trump. So it's out there. But the question is, you know, whether or not he's going to have have the support to be reelected. And we don't know who the Republican candidate might be. Could be Trump, could be someone, <laughs> someone entirely different. And then I also feel like we, we do have to look at his age. You know, Biden is 79 years old. Does he have it in him? You know, we see him shuffling around, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Not only that, he thinks he's the only or the top Democrat that could beat Trump. So there's that too. Him selecting Kamala as his VP definitely says a lot about who he is. And um, he obviously believes enough in her policies that she could take the torch and run with it. I mean, we don't want to talk about a president passing, but obviously she's in place for that reason. So. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Well, uh, thank you both very much for your insight. Once again, today's guests are Black Information Network news anchors, Nicole Deal and Morgan Wood. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Follow us on all social media at Our Daily Story Podcast. I am your host, Ramses Ja. Join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on Our Daily Story. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. 
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 